From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is War of the Worlds on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I'm George Eliason, and this is the radio broadcast from TNT, breaking the news of the War of the Worlds. In front of the microphone, you won't be hearing armchair generals and think tankers paid to run propaganda for NATO and the Biden administration. This microphone is fitted with a special filter to keep the propaganda and false expertise out. And this isn't the hour for repeating what you've already heard and rehashing what you already know. This isn't the crosstalk of reporters pushing their bylines in exchange for your money. And this isn't the BBC's hard talk with its soft-centered confectionery manufactured at the Foreign Office and MI6. They are the alien invaders. This is the hour when you'll be able to hear the news breaking from the news fronts throughout Europe and from your ears to your brains. Not the alien invaders, but the fresh, original human analysis of what the breaking news means. So sit tight and here goes. Let's start off with Israel and Gaza. Now, Benjamin Netanyahu is now facing multiple charges at the International Criminal Court after Turkey filed a case accusing him of war crimes, genocide, and crimes against humanity in view of the whole world. The U.S. and Israel are saying that there were bunkers and tunnels under the Al-Shifa hospital that made the Israeli raids justifiable under the laws of war. The problem is there were none. And Israel knew this. What is going on? Now, when we look at at Hamas, um, we're looking at about 12 different factions of this group. And in understandably, and, you know, in, in terms of media, I mean, it's just a bonanza. As soon as they were able to claim, claim power in an election, they ended elections. They're in power and that's it. So the fact that um, Gaza was ruled by what's essentially um, a one-group dictatorship shouldn't be lost on you. They are not good guys in this. Now, if one faction of them was actually what started this, it could have been rogue. It could have been anything. The fact that um, Israel took full advantage of this right from the get-go, the information coming out about the concert attack has been clarified that Israeli troops mistakenly fired on people at the concert, which led to a lot of the deaths. Not all of the deaths, not most of the deaths, but enough of the deaths. The idea that Israel as a country would take that out on the entire Uh, Gaza area, which is essentially and has been marked for over a decade now 
as the large, world's largest constant open air concentration camp is a point that needs to not get lost on people. Gaza itself was shut off from any ability to have any economic present, never mind future. And when we look at what's going on with the people of Gaza, the media is trying to paint them as Islamists. When the average age of people in the Gaza Strip is 15, now we have to really stop and look at that. Put our prejudices aside on this. Because the reality is we're watching Israel indiscriminately bomb and missile attack against an area that's filled with children. And where else in the world would we allow this? Where else? If you look at the uh, justice system in, in any Western country, children are not even tried in court as adults at that age. And the fact that these kids were, well, it's not all kids, obviously, but the, the Gazans as a people were told to go to um, refugee camps. Those are bombed. Why? Because there might be somebody there. They're told to leave the north and go to the south, and they're massacred along the way. Israel as a country isn't moral because it's, they're Israel. They, it, they're mentioned in the Bible. This is a different Israel. These are not the same people. And in fact, they've, um, if you talk to Orthodox rabbis, if you talk to anybody that's read the Talmud, if you've talked to anybody that's studied religion, the actions of Israel right now violate the religion that we say gives Israel the right to exist. Now, do they? Yes, of course they do. And this isn't an anti-Israeli or anti-Semitic diatribe. It certainly isn't. But quite frankly, they do not have a lock on morality because of a religion that they obviously do not even believe in anymore. Israel today is a modern nation and they're subject to the laws of the international community. So when we're talking about the fact that Netanyahu may face these charges, it's actually part and parcel of living in the modern world. You can't get away with these kind of acts. Well, you shouldn't be able to. Now, is this justifying what Hamas did at the beginning of this? Absolutely not. 
Those people need to be brought to justice. They're being killed. Should Israel just wholeheartedly just flood the tunnels? Well, if they're supposed to be rescuing um, hostages and instead they're drowning them, does it show they ever had any interest in that? Did it, does it show that they had any interest in rescuing them at all? Uh, the answer is no. What they're after is the headlines. Now, as soon as it started making the news worldwide, and you couldn't hide it, the fact that Israel was going so far overboard in what they were doing, scholars, um, politicians started saying, Israel's going to lose in the information war, and what they need to do is put on a big humanitarian effort. Show the world. Today's guest, we have Jared Knott joining us, um, talking about his book, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. Now, Jared is... He's had numerous articles published at the Mensa Bulletin He's in, in, in grade graduate school textbooks on subjects ranging from Supreme Court before Arctic to Arctic exploration. He's a decorated combat infantry officer in Vietnam with the 1st Air Cav Division. In his civilian career, he's worked as the vice president of sales and marketing and the marketing director for home in the home improvement industry. He's a father of five. He lives in the Atlanta area with his wife, Catherine. Jared has also had numerous articles published in national magazines alongside some of America's most famous writers, including um, American Greatness Magazine, Human Events Magazine, The Mensa Bulletin, The American Thinker, which is a favorite of mine, and BPR. Right after the break, we'll bring him on. Do you have a suggestion for a possible guest or host that you'd like to hear on TNT Radio? Well, perhaps you have a topic you feel we should discuss. Well, then we want to hear from you. Simply complete the suggestion form on the TNT website. Help us make a difference on TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Doctors Without Borders cares for people affected by conflict, disease outbreaks, natural and human-made disasters, and exclusion from healthcare in more than 70 countries. Our team of doctors, nurses, and staff are often the first on the scene when disaster strikes and directly provide high-quality medical care to those who need it most. Doctors Without Borders has treated over 100 million patients and was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1999 for global humanitarian care. Your support plays a powerful role in our life-saving work and we are grateful for the compassion. Help save lives throughout the world by donating today. Visit doctorswithoutborders.org. A message brought to you by TNT Radio. This is what's called dead air. It's an uncomfortable gap of no sound on your radio. Radio stations hate it. It's so uncomfortable people usually switch stations. So if dead air makes you feel uncomfortable, imagine what dead oceans feel like. Our oceans need whales. And our whales in the Southern Ocean need your help. Donate to Sea Shepherd and help stop Japanese whaling in our Southern Ocean. Visit seashepherd.org.au When you're high, you feel different. Pretty obvious, right? You think different, talk different, but if you feel different, you drive different. So if you're high, just don't drive. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You're listening to War of the Worlds with George Eliason on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And we're back from the break with Jared Knott. Jared, hello. How are you? Oh, how are you? How are you? It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, tell us about this book, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters. 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. This is interesting stuff, folks. Thank you. It, uh, the inspiration for it uh, comes from the old adage coming down from Benjamin Franklin, who wanted the nail, the shoe was lost, who wanted the shoe, the rider was lost, who wanted the rider, the battle was lost, who wanted the battle, the empire was lost, the empire was lost, all for the want of a nail. That's a nice old saying, but how often has that really happened? that a little tiny mistake caused an entire empire to collapse. <laughs> but you will be amazed how often it's happened over and over and over again throughout history. One little smack mistake, uh, dominoes into something else, dominoes into something else, and you have the empire collapsing as a result of that small mistake. Now, what was your, was that um, Benjamin Franklin saying, the actual inspiration for researching this book, or... What, what was it? What brought you to that? I want to do this. Yes, it was just uh, kind of as you live your life, you say, oh, gee, this mental mistake caused this problem, caused this problem, caused this problem. I wonder if a little small mistake had taken place to think how different things would be. Okay, you apply that same question in history, and you and start thinking, well, here's one example, here's another example, here's another example. The first example I thought of I had to do with the... Uh, uh, the, the teaser for it is that it's a single piece of tape rotated several inches the wrong direction changed the outcome of the Vietnam War. The United States might very well have won, except for this single tiny mistake, which doesn't make well, any sense. Hold on. It doesn't make mis- it. It really it. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, 
what what was the piece of tape being used for? What what actually was happening? Yeah, it doesn't make. But we're only talking about a piece of tape in the entire war. Well, it has to do with the Watergate break-in, and when they uh, they uh, the operatives under uh, doing the, the break-in were told to uh, they jimmy the door from the parking garage into the office building. They were told to hold a striker on the door down with a piece of tape in the vertical position. Uh, so it couldn't be seen from the hallway, but they made a mistake and they put it in the horizontal position. So when Frank Wills, the night watchman, came walking down the hall at, uh, in the morning, middle of the middle of the night, he sees this piece of tape on the door. Gee, what's what's this? What's this? Oh wow, wow! The door's been jimmied, and so he called the Washington D.C. police. And, uh, this rumor is that he had to call twice, and so now they also said here's another very strong rumor. They said that they tried to contact the uniform officer was on duty in that part of the city in the middle of the night, and he supposedly was uh, intoxicated in a local bar and could not respond to the call. So instead, they had to send a bum patrol, that's three uh, officers dressed as hobos, in a jalopy car. Well, they pulled up into the front of the Watergate complex in this old jalopy car. The lookout for the, uh, uh, for the burglars does not, do not recognize them as police officers. So they are able to come into the building they arrest James McCord, they arrest the Cuban operatives, and Watergate begins, one item after another, after another, after another. And Henry Kissinger said, <clears> how <throat> great big gigantic a scandal of Watergate. Henry Kissinger gave an interview and he said that the plan was, he knew the North Vietnamese were gonna be violating the treaty and that, that had been signed recently, and the plan was to go back in there and bomb the living daylights out of them to get them back into compliance. But they were so weak politically because of Watergate, they couldn't. So South Vietnam collapses, the Nixon administration collapses, it all falls apart because of a single piece of tape turned several inches the wrong direction. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's, definitely, um, that's definitely an example of the ripple effect. Yes. What they call it the butterfly effect, yes? You're right. Um, now, in, in the, the um, inside cover of your book, it's also... A, Another example is a soldier accidentally kicks a helmet off the top of the wall yes. and causes an empire to collapse. Yes, yes, that's right. And that, how in the world is that possible? Uh, I'll give you the kind of the nutshell version of it. But the Cyrus the Great, who's mentioned prominently in the Bible, he's the one that uh, freed these children of Israel from bondage. Uh, he was uh, heading towards a big confrontation uh, between uh, Croesus, who was the emperor of Lydia. And so, uh, I'll just give you the short version of it. They were having the battle, the battle, a big conflict, uh, and then it was kind of a draw. And so, uh, Croesus withdraws back into his big fortress up there on Cyrus. Uh, well, okay, now, and then uh, Cyrus the Great is laying siege to the fortress. When winter's coming, he's not sure he's going to have enough uh, supplies to, and food to keep his army supplied all the way through winter. What's he going to do? Also, the Persians are going to come, and the, Persians, the Spartans are going to be coming back to help with Croesus, it may be, he may have gotten himself into a serious uh, box. And then here comes a mistake. A soldier up on top of the wall actually kicks the helmet off the top of the wall. It was coming way, way down the wall, all the way down to the bottom. And then he gets off the top of the wall and climbs down a secret walkway down the side of the wall, gets his helmet, climbs all the way back up over the top. But one of Cyrus the Great's men sees this. Oh, look, 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 look. There's a passageway up the side of the wall. So the next night, a raiding party climbs up the wall, goes over the top of the wall, goes over the gates, forces the gates open. Cyrus the Great's army is waiting there. The gates come rushing into the uh, into the fortress. 
and, and they uh, conquer Lydia, uh, and that uh, the empire collapses because of that one single tiny mistake. But it had not been for that tiny mistake, instead of being called Cyrus the Great, he might have been called Cyrus the Chump. Hey. The, you know, the, the fact that you can go over and over and over again um, with example of this, uh, it, it defies imagination that, I mean, you, you're describing historic events. This is the way they happened. And this is the actual outcome because of something that, you know, the average person will look at it. This is unrelated. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you follow the threads out. Yes. You know, it's it's undeniable what happened there. So I mean, it, it is just amazingly cool. How long did it take you to put the to put together Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters? Well, it's a pretty good sized book. It's a uh, four hundred and thirty five uh, pages. It took me about eleven years. I was uh, working. It's not that I was lazy. I was working uh, uh, full time. I have a uh, five children. It's raising. I had a a wife who needs attention, uh, and so it, it took me a long time. Now I'm working on the sequel, and the sequel's going much faster. I've since retired, so I have more time. My children are all grown. Mm -hmm. I still have a wife who needs attention, but, but uh, it's going much faster. So, but it took, a, it took a number of years, uh, but it was a lot of fun along the way. Oh, can you talk about another example? Because you're, you've Talk about um, a small mechanical device changing the outcome of World War II and leading to the death of millions of people? Yes. Uh, that was, of course, is tragic because so many lives are involved, but there was a German plot, the German general plot, to kill Adolf Hitler. And he knew that, of course, there were a lot of people who wanted him dead. He had kind of, he was, a, in his evil way, very insightful. He said the reason that uh, so many assassinations are successful across the world is that they know where their particular target is going to be at a certain time and a certain place. So we kept a very erratic right. schedule. He didn't know where he was going to be. Well, but the one of the leaders of the plot, one of my favorite figures in history, was uh, General Henning von Triskow. And uh, they arranged to, uh, at one point, the uh, conspiracy was just going to give up. They were not being successful in trying to assassinate Hitler, and they're about to give up. And he sent him a message and he said, it's almost certain that we are going to fail, but we must continue with our efforts so that people of the world will know, and people of the world and future generations will know, that there are men inside Germany willing to lay down their lives to oppose Hitler and the evil he represented. So anyway, he was uh, one of the uh, highly ranked officers there in, uh, in Russia, in the Russian campaign, and they were able to put together a big meeting where Hitler was going to come to to Russia, they had the big uh, review of the war on the war plans, and then he gets on his plane to fly back. But they, what they did, they had a, uh, a box, looked like a gift box. Supposedly there was a bottle of uh, liquor inside the box, and they said they gave it to one of the officers getting on board the Hitler's plane. Give this uh, particular uh, uh, gift bottle uh, box to so and so, such as the general back in Berlin. But it was not a gift, a bottle of liquor at all. It was a bomb. So they, uh, they. Have the bomb set up. They give it to one of the officers. They pull the trigger on the device. They get on the plane with the device. Hitler flies off, and it's supposed to blow up 45 minutes later. It must have been a very tense time on the ground, facing back and forth, facing back and forth. And then uh, three or four hours later, there's a contact that the plane landed safely back in Berlin. 
the bomb did not go off. Oh boy. Now, if somebody gets that liquor bottle at the gift box, they open it up, and they realize that there's a bomb in there, not a, a bottle of liquor, they're in uh, big, big trouble. So they were able to finally right. uh, get possession of the gift box back, open it up. The little device, the little small triggering device failed to function. And if it had functioned the way it was supposed to, the way it had in tests, Hitler would have been killed in 1944. The war would have been uh, ended, ended much, uh, much sooner, and uh, hundreds of thousands of lives would have been saved, and the map of Europe would be very different. But it wasn't to be. Uh, it was uh, it just a, a failure of a single, tiny, three or four inch long uh, device uh, It changed the course of history. Now, how would that have changed the map of the world? Because it was kind of divvied yeah. up after uh, World War II anyway, east-west. Yes, the, the war would have ended with uh, Germany, with, uh, of course, we don't know precisely exactly. Uh, it, it was, Germany at that point had major incursions into Russia. So when they settled the war at that point, uh, the uh, uh, when Stalin, Germany was completely defeated, and Stalin determined the uh, position of the map. He sliced off a great big part of Germany to give to Poland. Poland's much bigger uh, as a result of that decision by Stalin. And then when uh, East and West Germany were combined again, the Germans agreed, well, we're not going to try to get Poland's Germany back again. But the, map of Germany now is quite a bit smaller than what it was before World War II. And uh, so that would have been different, and then the war would have ended much sooner, and the lives of hundreds of thousands of people would have been saved in the last year of the war. Yeah, that's, um, that, you know, history is just unbelievably interesting. You know, especially in light, um, you know, the show itself, War of the Worlds, and we discussed the fallout of decisions being made. Um, what other examples can you give us from the book? And I, I really, I can't uh, recommend it enough. Uh, you can find this at Amazon.com. Uh, and the, the book itself, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. Um, can you tell us, give us any other um, yes. insight from the book? Yes, I sure can. By the way, you can go to tinyblundersbigdisasters.com, tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. It takes you to my website. There's two and a half free chapters there to read. There's also a great uh, book creator there, and there's also the portrait gallery, which is one of my uh, favorite parts of the book with uh, 27 different personalities with a little bit of dirt on each one. <laughs> I'm kidding. And you've also... You've got Facebook, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, um, on Facebook, and Twitter, uh, BlunderKing29. And the best place to go is tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. That's the website. Mm -hmm. It has, uh, like, again, two and a half free chapters there, and the, and the, uh, the book writer, and the uh, portrait gallery, et cetera, et cetera. But yes, you were, uh, it's a kind of fun website in itself. You were asking about another example uh let me yes. uh, this one the teaser for this one is a single document poorly designed by one single clerk in one single county changed the outcome of a presidential election and directly to a major war the war would not have taken place with except for the single tiny mistake uh, and that's a to do with the election in the 2000 
And it's not the, not in Florida, and it's not the Hanging Chads, but it's in Palm Beach County. I won't say her name, but it's a very nice lady who was clerk of election. She designed a ballot. It's supposed to be for the elderly people down there, so big print so they could see it easily. And she designed it in such a way that there were two pages to it. It's called the Butterfly Ballot because it has these two pages. And said a list of the candidates' names on the left of the page, the candidates' names on the right page, with a series of punch holes down the center. But it's very confusing the way it's done. Al Gore, his name was the number two name on the left side of the page, but he was the number three punch hole. The number two punch hole belonged to Pat Buchanan, who was on the right side of the page. Well, a lot of the older people, a lot of the voters got confused, and they punched the wrong punch hole. Then some of them realized they made a mistake and punched the wrong punch hole, and they punched the other punch hole, and now they got two punch holes punched, which invalidates the ballot. There were thousands that were invalidated because they were double punched. But they, in oh, surrounding no. counties, yeah, surrounding counties, uh, Pat Buchanan got maybe 100, 150 votes per county. And this particular county gets like 3,000 some odd votes. Well, he himself said that he didn't think the Jewish women down there in that particular county were voting for him. He said it was definitely a confusion. Well, uh, Al Gore ends up losing the state of Florida by something like about uh, 450 votes. Uh, he, he easily he easily lost 3,000 votes that should have gotten, and maybe as many as five, six, seven, eight thousand votes they should have gotten. If it had been a correctly designed ballot, he would have won Florida. That would have been enough for him to win the election. He was adamantly opposed to the war in Iraq, adamantly opposed to it, angrily opposed to it. The war would not have taken place. Uh, and the, uh, they had this nice lady, we'll say her name, very nice, intelligent lady. We all make mistakes, the same or worse. Hers just happened to come at a pivotal moment, but they had her on television, and they were saying to her, on the morning shows, people are saying that you're responsible for this war. And she was crying, well, I understand, but we have 50,000 dead people and $3 trillion, $2 trillion worth of expended uh, money for the war that would not have taken place except for this single tiny mistake. Of course, uh, the President of the United States, George Bush, has to take primary responsibility in Congress and so on, but it would not have taken place except for this single tiny mistake. Now, why couldn't Gore use that in court? Why couldn't he take that into court and um, do some... I, I really don't know what the legal remedy would be on that. Uh, yes, the, the courts but, would not, and now maybe because they were... Uh, of course, they did not allow the hanging chads either. The courts did not allow, would, the judges would not rule in favor of that particular motion. So it was turned down in the courts. Oh, so he did do that. I'm, well, I'm, that, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure they were aggressively pursuing, of course, the hanging chad uh, issue. Right. Issue, and I'm assuming a little bit on my part here that surely they made an attempt in that particular area too because they were aware of the problem. Uh, and, but they were not able to be successful legally with the hanging chads. Which, by the way, in terms of a recount had taken place, which they were asking for, uh, George Bush would have won the recount on that side of the issue, of the hanging chads issue. On the other side of the issue, with the uh, uh, butterfly ballot, I don't know the exact specifics, but there was no remedy allowed by the uh, by the courts there in, uh, in that case. So that was that was not successful. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, we've got to pause for a quick break, and we'll pick it up when we get back. Um, we've got Jared Knott with us discussing uh, his new book, Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. This is TNT Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> 
TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. More and more, we're seeing Netflix documentaries which are completely fictional, or at least in large part fictional, and they're being portrayed as historical fact. Poll after poll after poll shows that young people, who by definition have no historical context, believe that what they see is what actually happened. And this goes well beyond Hollywood movies with their classic, based on a true story, disclaimer. These are actual documentaries, or at least they're put out as being actual documentaries, when in fact they're not. A documentary sticks to the facts. That's part of what being a a documentarian is all about. It's not opinionaries. It's not conjecturaries. It's documentaries. And more and more, we're seeing that these documentaries aren't documenting facts. They're documenting the documentarian's political interpretation of facts while completely omitting facts that disagree with their chosen narrative. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, We reconnect with each other and build family memories we will carry with us forever. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. It's easy. Just put in your zip code to find family-friendly outdoor destinations near you. You'll also find guides to free activities, games, and amazing forest facts. Give the magic of the outdoors to your kids and reconnect with your family. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Do you ever let your ears stop and smell the roses? Let's celebrate listening. Because that's what Dublin Samaritans do 24-7. Call us. Six one two three, or help us keep listening at justgiving.com forward slash Dublin Samaritans. This is the sound of a generation rising above. The commemorative Air Force honors the heroes of yesterday while educating and inspiring the heroes of tomorrow. You can learn more at soundsofhistory.org. This is War of the Worlds on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And we are back. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for for coming on today. This is really um, interesting. You know, as a student of history, when you see how fragile situations actually are and how such what would seem like insignificant mistakes can affect so many people 
in not just you know in one place but worldwide and affect uh, make their mark in world history um it, it's I, I really don't know how to describe it i mean it may it does give you pause yes. that would be that would be one thing uh out of everything that they've you looked at now you said you're you're in the middle of the new book yes. uh, part two of this uh, out of yeah. all go ahead. go ahead no i'm just going to ask it yes uh, out of all these different examples um what strikes you as the most implausible uh no one's ever <laughs> asked me implausible. I thought you were getting ready to ask me which one is the most important or the one that uh, really uh, it's, uh, I resonate personally the most. And let me answer <laughs> the question I asked myself. The most implausible, I don't know uh, quite how to answer that because they're all so implausible. But let me give you mm-hmm. another one, which is one of my favorites, if you don't mind. And that has, it has a major, major impact on the world today. And... Uh, if, if it weren't for this single tiny mistake made in the Versailles Treaty in 1919, there's a very good chance that uh, China would be a democracy today. And uh, I'll take it back to 1919. Of course, the Allies had won the war, and they were dividing up the spoils, and everybody wanted their piece of the pie. The uh, Chinese had sent 100,000 workers uh, to Western Europe to dig trenches. They felt they had supported the Allies. They were uh, deserving some respect and uh, some uh, some accommodation in the final treaty. Japan was on our side in World War One. They had defeated the Germans on the Pacific. Uh, they wanted the uh, German islands there, the possessions that they had. They also wanted the German concessions on the mainland of China. Uh, there were certain areas there that uh, European nations had just taken over from China and were running them. Uh, they'd beaten uh, Germany. They wanted to take Germans' uh, concessions and uh, the mainland uh, belonging to China. They also wanted something else. They wanted a statement of human equality, which, and here for the 21st century mind, that sounds like nothing. They wanted a statement that all people, all ethnic groups throughout the world would be given equal rights and be treated with equal respect. Well, that seemed like a very simple thing, but it turns out it was very sticky. Down in Australia, they had a a very um, contentious prime minister, uh, Billy Hughes, uh, known for being very irascible, and he and Woodrow Wilson butted heads from the very beginning. Uh, and uh, Woodrow Wilson called him uh, a pestiferous varmint, <laughs> and uh, very because he's very difficult to get along with. Uh, Australia, even today, thinks of itself as a white island floating in an Asian sea. They have high wages there in Australia, and they don't want a lot of people coming in from the outside to lower the wages. So they're, uh, they were very sensitive about the idea of immigration from uh, the Asian nations around them. <clears throat> also in California, same thing. In California, Oregon, where the senators there were sensitive about workers coming in from Japan and other places and lowering the wages of their constituents, their workers. So both the senators in the Western United States and Billy Hughes down there in Australia opposed the statement of, uh, of equality. Woodrow Wilson needed the votes of those senators to try to get his uh, League of Nations bill uh, through the Senate. Which failed anyway. But anyway, as he uh, uh, caved into the pressure from the Western senators and Billy Hughes, and he denied the Japanese the request for a statement of racial equality. But he said to them, okay, We can't give you the racist, the state of racial equality, but it's kind of the sop 
for that, to make up for that, we'll let you have the Chinese concessions, the German concessions on the Chinese mainland. Well, Woodrow Wilson's 14 points, one of the main messages of the 14 points was local determination. The colonies were not going to be established by big powers coming in and forcing colonies on top of other nations. That was one of the main messages of the 14 points. Well, the dates are important. It was announced on May 3rd that the Japanese were going to be given the German concessions. On May 4th, protests all across China. And that was the beginning of the May 4th movement. Uh, and the uh, one uh, Chinese nationalist put it this way, we believed in Woodrow Wilson and the Western democracies, and then we decided that they were all great liars. Great, great anger, great resentment. And coming out of Russia at the time was a new philosophy called communism. So the people following the May 4th movement rejected Woodrow Wilson, rejected the Western democracies, and began to embrace communism. The May 4th movement became a major part of the communist movement, later taken over by Mao Zedong. And as the years, some years later, 1947, I think 1949, uh, the communists uh, took over all of China. So it had not been for that uh, single tiny mistake, if they had uh, made the state of racial equality a part of the Versailles Treaty, and there would be no May 4th movement. There would have been no possibly communist movement of that strength. And it may have gone the other way, embracing the Western democracies and embracing Woodrow Wilson instead of rejecting them. And it could be, no one knows for sure, of course, but it could be that China would be a democracy today. India is a democracy. Uh, South Korea is a democracy. Japan is a democracy. China might have been a democracy today. And imagine how different the world would be except for that single tiny mistake. Uh, now, what's interesting, you know, because of, of your military history, I mean, that's, that is um, another, you know, it's a topic for, for a great conversation in itself. But Ho Chi, the history of Ho Chi Minh was kind of a repeat. He wanted the support of the U.S. He really wasn't married to any particular um, ideology. But uh, the American, I think it was the American Congress at the time, told him, you know, where to get off. So he said, okay, well, who's going to support me? Um, I, I don't know if you've looked at, because when when you get into to histories themselves, they're very complex, we'll say. And, you know, um, an idea that somebody has as a leader can change, you know, from today till tomorrow. But if we, we, you know, you have that, why wouldn't the U.S. just bring it back and say, okay, look, okay, we, we did this, 1919, we, learned, we can learn from this and we can stop this where it is right now and we don't need to, to war over it. Yes, well, of course, it's, you can't unring a bell. And once the damage is done, you look back months later or years later and try to fix it, the train may have gone way down the tracks by that point. It's very difficult to call it back. And those people right. leading that movement, leading that movement, they don't want to help you. They, they're happy with it, them taking over it and them uh, being the leaders and, uh, and taking it away from your interests altogether. So it's uh, once a mistake is made, once the... Uh, there's no real walking back on it. Uh, the glass of milk is busted on the floor or the bell is wrong or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Cases. Yeah. 
Exactly. Ho Chi Minh that we knew in the 1960s and 70s may not have been the original Ho Chi Minh. They did not have, I've read this and I you don't know for sure it's true when you read these things, but they didn't have photography or good identification back in the 20s and 30s and 40s in remote parts of the world. But they think the original Ho Chi Minh may have died. And this other gentleman, other man, came over and pretended to be Ho Chi Minh. <clears throat> Number of people supporting him, and he became the leader of the movement, uh, guerrilla movement. There, uh, kind of falsely identifying himself as Ho Chi Minh. I read that; it was kind of interesting, but I don't know for sure just because I read it. I don't know that it's uh, really. Yeah. Oh wow! So he's he's, he's like the um, uh, Tibetan monks. You know, like I'm a uh, successful imposter, according to one article. Oh, I did. I wasn't even aware of that. Uh, that that's really interesting. So, it, it, an imposter leads the country into war. I mean, that's oh, yeah. All right. So that's that's really crazy. Um, now. Look at current events. Uh, we've we've got a few minutes now. You look at what Biden's doing today. Now I'm going to ask you, as um, a Vietnam vet, could you see the America um, any inkling that America could transform into what it is under the Biden administration? Was there even the remotest thought that this could happen to that America? Well, I was reading a, an article from this gentleman who points out that we think of things as going along on a normal, even keel. But he says once every 10 years, there is some big disaster that takes place in the United States, takes place in the world. Uh, of course, uh, two, three, four years ago, we had, of course, COVID, which is a gigantic uh, thing that upset the world. Also, back in 2007, 2008, we had the collapse of the real estate market mm -hmm. in the United States, which was a disaster. Wall Street deserves a lot, a lot of people should have gone to jail, but didn't go to jail. Right. Um, and, but these things that happen, these uh, things don't go in a normal way, quote unquote. Oftentimes, there's some big surprise to come along. It is a surprise. That Joe Biden, who is uh, thought of as a kind of a moderate Democrat, has fallen on the influence of the far uh, woke left and the, uh, the crime in our cities and, uh, and also our, our, a lot of our border being wide open and fentanyl coming across. These uh, killing tens of thousands, about 70,000 people a year dying from fentanyl overdose. I would have never guessed that uh, three or four years ago. I didn't think that could, that could happen. Uh, the war in Ukraine and also the war in Israel, all are big unhappy surprises. Now you, you can getting political. You can. I had an article, by the way, published in uh, VPR uh, magazine on this subject just uh, last week, uh, and, and talking about. You can make the argument. Um, I'm not sure how you feel about this. That both the war in Ukraine and the war in Israel would have been avoided if we had, had a different president. There was a weakness. Yeah. If Donald Trump was there, you're absolutely correct. Well, history teaches very few, very clear lessons. I'm actually quoting Jimmy Carter on this of all people, but there's very few uh, clear lessons that history teaches. But one of them is that weakness invites attack. Weakness causes war. No one starts a war expecting to lose it. They see a big, powerful 
a military, when they see they could be, be defeated by that military, well, they don't want to start the war. They see a weakness, they think they can win, that's when they are likely to attack. I think that's what Putin was thinking uh, in Ukraine. And uh, the uh, Israelis had lowered their guard and their security, uh, but the uh, the uh, previous administration had clamped down on Iran's uh, ability to sell their petroleum in the world. Their uh, cash reserves had dropped from like over 100 billion down to only about 4 billion. It was causing a lot of unrest within Iran. They were uh, had even talked about regime change. Of course, the secret police were able to handle that, but they were having their hands full of just keeping their own population uh, pacified, and they didn't have extra billions of dollars to invest in international terrorism. So you could make a pretty good argument that Ukraine would have not taken place, and also the war with Israel on October the 7th would have taken place if our previous president were still in power. Certainly the border would be far, far more under control, and the fifth point would be a lot less also. Well, the, the border definitely would be in a lot better shape, and I agree with you on the fentanyl. In terms of Ukraine, I think Donald Trump would have forced Ukraine to honor the Minsk agreement that it had signed. Mm -hmm. Ukraine would have uh, reabsorbed Donbass after that. All they needed to do was make steps on it. But Merkel said herself, the only reason they um, sponsored the agreement to begin with was to give Ukraine time to build up its military. Mm -hmm. And Russia was a guarantor of the agreement of, you know, keeping the peace and protecting the people. Um, I'm actually in Donbass. That's where I see. I'm reporting from. I'm inside the, the war zone. But what Ukraine was, was trying to do in the at the end of winter 2022, they massed over 170,000 troops and they were going to do what they called Croatian scenario. Um, they took away the citizenship of everybody in Donbass and they branded them as um, illegal occupiers. So the men, women and children that lived in these cities were the people once, you know, that while well, Ukraine's been attacking, but they were coming with full military force. And that's what Russia preempted. Um, the whole thing, you know, I wish everybody could go back to 2014 and start it over again. There's been so many lies lost, especially the children. But we're, you know, it's like a small little piece of tape. It's just something that happened and you can't go back on at this point. Yes, it's not. And I will say, I'm not sure we may agree, we may not, we may disagree. I'm, I, it's not a clear-cut situation. Here's evil on one side of the line. Here's goodness and mercy on the other side of the line. There's, a, as you know, a huge amounts of corruption uh, in Ukraine involving uh, the Bidens, involving, uh, they say, members of, of Congress. And even now, a lot of the billions of dollars were going, sent over there to Ukraine and not going to the uh, purpose for which they, they were uh, voted for by Congress. So there are some uh, dirty hands on uh, on both sides. But I would say, uh, yes, the, uh, Putin is nothing but a, uh, uh, a murdering hoodlum, and he is uh, would be more wrong than the other side. The question, though, is, is it worth the sacrifice of the lives and billions of dollars to continue the war past where it is right now? It could be that in, uh, the 18 percent that the Russians have control of, maybe they keep it, and maybe we have to settle for a three quarters of a loaf 
and not continue the war on and on and on and on. Well, you know, I obviously disagree with your assessment of Putin. Um, you know, I've watched him take this slowly to try to keep civilians out of the conflict. You know, it's 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 a big mess. Um, I do think that the U.S. Congress needs to be looked at in terms of where their investments are and how they're tied to Ukraine. And that's something I think that we both can agree on. Um, because that's, if they're tied into graft coming out of Ukraine and that's why they're supporting it, that there has to be some accounting for that. Dad, would you agree with this? Yes, yes. Now there's a, <sighs> an ugly thing there. He goes, I, a lot of us have seen the old movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And uh, a lot uh-huh. of people opposed to the, that movie being uh, released. One of the people most opposed to it was none other than Joseph Kennedy who may resemble Mr. Taylor in the movie, but there is a lot, lots of corruption uh, in Washington has been uh, for years. And they're, according to um, some of the people on Fox, uh, there's millions of dollars uh, that we send billions of dollars over to Ukraine, millions of dollars comes back to uh, politicians in the United States. Uh, of course, you saw uh, some of that with uh, Joe Biden virtually admitting uh, corruption in the interview that he gave. Uh, so there's a, a lot of ugly things happening, uh, and if you took, if you were able to have everything exposed, you would find a lot of uh, a lot of people uh, who had their hands in the cookie jar. Uh, but yes, there should be a, a stricter accounting, and maybe we'll get a, uh, a president uh, in, in the White House uh, next term that will help to clean the, the mess up. Uh, I, I hope so. Well, we've only got a few minutes left. Um, I am uh, well, a Trump supporter. Um, I see Joe Kennedy. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Robert Kennedy, um, as a a viable president at some point. Um, he's obviously can't be a Democrat anymore. Um, with Trump, in let's say um, outside of Trump, because this is going to determine the future. Who? do we have that would actually fill that big seat and do, do what's right for America? Well, my answer, of course, is a number of different answers from a number of different people, but uh, my answer is uh, uh, a person who's coming on quite strong, who's surging uh, in the polls, uh, and that mm-hmm. is Vicki uh, Haley. And she, um, we lost the election last time Donald Trump did, primarily because he lost the uh, female vote, suburban uh, women do not like uh, Donald Trump. If he was able to carry the suburban women, uh, he would have won by a reasonably good margin. Well, Nikki Haley can get the same uh, votes that Donald Trump did on the Republican side. And One minute left. That, that female vote. So I, I think she has a very good chance. If she, if she has a chance to get the nomination, we'll see. But I think she could win by, by a wide margin. And that would be a very effective president. Jared, I want to thank you for coming on today. Um, He's the author of Tiny Blunders, Big Disasters, 39 Tiny Mistakes That Changed the World Forever. And this is available at Amazon. And you said it's tinyblunders.com? Is that the website? Yes, sir. Tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. Tinyblundersbigdisasters.com. We have two and a half free chapters there. We have a a great uh, book trailer. Also, the Portrait Gallery is a fun place to visit, and uh, that's a a good uh, starting point. 
it's going to be a great gift for Christmas for our father or grandfather who's interested in history. And you can contact Jared at BlunderKing29 on Twitter. That's correct. All right. Thank you so much, sir. Um, it's been a really good interview. Thank you I so really much. I enjoy talking to you. And good luck there. Be safe. Be safe where you are. Thank you, sir.